Ask an American to describe Germany, and they'll probably mention cuckoo clocks and beer halls with people wearing lederhosen and dirndls. That's probably because those impressions came from American servicemen who were stationed in Bavaria in the South after the Second World War. But while Germany compares in size to the state of Montana, it has about 82 million more inhabitants and a great diversity in its historic cities and countryside. To help us get acquainted with the regions outside of the capital of Berlin, in the northeast of the country, I've asked German tour guides Carolina Marburger, Fabian Ruger, and Holger Zimmer to recommend some great day trips to places that are within easy reach of Berlin. Fabian, Carolina, Holger, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having us. So, did I get that right? Americans kind of think of uh, Bavaria when they think of Germany. Carolina? Yes, I, I agree with you. I think it has a lot to do with GIs that brought these images home. Then I think it also has to do with a lot of Americans having migrated back in the time, mostly from southwest and south Germany. And those that are not sometimes are surprised, well, I'm from Poland. I hear it's like, well, you, it used to be <laughs> when, when your forefathers came, it was German. And the Iron Curtain didn't help us That's at all because also. it has kept the imagery limited. And so a lot of what is behind what used to be the Iron Curtain is not known and felt and emotional charged. So, Holger, when you think, when you meet an American that's talking about Germany and they're talking about Dirndls and Lederhosen, what do you want to tell them? I'd say it's wonderful, but it's not Germany at all. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's one part of Germany, which is amazing, you know, with the Alps and stuff. But then, I mean, you know, Germany stretches from the coastline of the of the North Sea and the um, Baltic Sea all the way down to the mountains. So, and that's a lot of stuff in between, wonderful lakes and mountains and hills and forests and, you know, Berlin and the round thing, surrounding is a little bit flat, but there's great lakes around there to dis- explore. Less. So it's nature, but also history. Okay, so Berlin is the new uh, touristic powerhouse in Germany. Uh, you know, our, our heritage, it's mostly Munich and Hofbrauhaus and Oktoberfest, but now Berlin, statistically, far more popular, and I would say really more exciting and more rewarding to see. It is, the, it is so much these days in Berlin. You're all from Berlin. Let's say each of you has a guest, and they've got a few days, two days, to side trip out. I'd like each of you to let me know where you would take them to get a better understanding of Germany outside of Berlin, but not in Bavaria. Fabian. If I have just two days, yeah. I would make sure that go to Dresden. Okay. Um, and to be honest, I also love Erfurt. So Erfurt. Erfurt. E-R-F-U-R-T. E-R-F-U-R-T. Why Erfurt? It was the city where uh, Martin Luther really yeah. studied theology. So you have the whole um, Protestant history connection. And that's have, 500, basically uh, five 500. centuries ago. So the 16th century Erfurt, yeah. And the historic medieval core is incredibly well preserved and restored for, mm-hmm. for a city in that area, largely speaking. So uh, it's got a very different vibe. As it does. From a and it's, it's welcoming and, and you feel it's not um, burdened by mass tourism. Why Dresden? Dresden, because it's this Baroque pearl on the Elbe, and I think most Americans mostly still associate Dresden with the firebombing mm-hmm. um, of 1945, if they've even heard the name. But Berlin was and Prussia, and Dresden was... Dresden the, was the capital of Saxony. Saxony. So this is a reminder that there were a lot of medium-sized uh, countries, serious countries. You know, Prussia, Saxony, Bavaria, these were countries. Mm-hmm. And in uh, Saxony, ruled from Dresden... You had the the Vettin dynasty. dynasty. And the Vettins, they had their own uh, porcelain? Yes, they had their own porcelain. They uh, invested more of their wealth as a family into art than the Prussians, for instance. That's why today, I wondered why, because you've just got 
a relatively, um, I mean, you don't, it's, we're not talking the Habsburgs here. We're talking the Vettons, but they've got really beautiful art. But I think that's also because they just realized, you know, being kind of trapped between like the Habsburgs and the Prussians, they're not going to have the means and, uh, you know, to be as glorious and as powerful and as like mean in terms of wars. They just couldn't be there. So they said, well, we focus on, just as Fabian said, we focus on art and science and how can we do it? And so they collected amazing artifacts that you can and now see. science. The, There's a great science gallery in the... Um What's that big complex? Swinger. The, yeah. the, the, the Swinger. Swinger. Yeah. Swinger. I was blown away by the uh, scientific implements, and it seemed like they were embraced by the king. I mean, we're talking microscopes fit for a king, really jeweled and, I mean, over the top. Carolina, if you had a couple of days uh, and a guest in Berlin, and you've seen everything in Berlin, and you've got a car, where would you go? Uh, it's a tough, tough choice if I would go eastward or, or north. But as we are talking to fight the Bavarian stereotype, which I love, I love Bavarians. <laughs> Please don't get me wrong; I love them dearly. But uh, but I would head north because I have to show them the beautiful Baltic coast. Um, favorite place ever is Rügen Island, the biggest island of Germany, and it has the nicest, beautiful white sand beaches. And it's it's actually the place where we dip into the sea, and it's refreshing yet. Yes, the sun is burning, but you're not roasted when you lie on that beach. And it's beautiful thatched houses, and it's really, really particularly beautiful. Don't you have these charming Victorian wind guards on the beach where you can sit there and there's this chair with a big wind shield above you? Uh, yes, yes, those beautiful, that we call Strandkörbe. Yeah, Strandkörbe, so it's beautiful. You can be and, in a miserable yeah. Baltic windstorm on the beautiful white mm-hmm. sandy beach and in the shelter of this a sunbathing chair with a wind with a wind and, guard. And there are those beautiful baths that go back when tourism basically was there invented by the emperor, the pro, like German emperor, brought those first like around 1900. That's when they started to become big among the uh, people of Berlin that for a rather fashionable and fancy outing went up there. And so you have those beautiful wooden bridges, wooden carved houses. So it's this amazingly is beautiful. Rügen, R-U-G-E-N, an island on the north. And a lot of us uh, visit Berlin... Uh, Surprisingly, from a cruise ship in the north. What is the cruise port in the north? Varnemunda. And people, they've got the train actually waiting for the cruise ship. And then you sit on that train for, I think, nearly three hours Mm -hmm. to get into Berlin. And then you have six or seven hours in Berlin and you take the three-hour train ride back to your cruise ship. That's a lot of train travel for one day in Berlin. But if all you have is a day and and you've always wanted to see Berlin, it works. I spent the day in Varnemunda deciding to uh, not go on that long train ride. And I really enjoyed Varnemunda because you had that sort of a Coney Island of the north coast of, yeah. of Germany, and it was nice. Holger, you got two days with a friend in Berlin. Where are you going to take All him? right. One day, I think I would go to Leipzig, which is kind of like southwest of Berlin, maybe one and a half hours max, I think, mm-hmm. on a train. And it is a very amazing city. It's very young, a uh, great student population. It is artsy, so not as, you know, highbrow, but like there's a lot of people. It's, it's kind of still affordable, so a lot of artists are there, and they, they even have like the Neue Leipziger Schule, like a kind of a new school of art being there, being actually quite quite prominent. I think it's, uh, um, you know, Neo Rauch is one of the artists that's like on the international market, one of mm-hmm. those uh, guys that are really uh, earning well with their art. So it's, it's full of art, and it's full of life, great museums there. Uh, anthropology and also Leipzig is very important for German history and uh, recent German history for being the city where basically in the whole run-up of the fall of the wall like 1989 in the summer where people are more and more like visually like obviously 
a discontent with the East German regime, they took to the streets and marched every Monday and they really started a huge happening. So like we saw these images where like tens of thousands of people are lining the streets of Leipzig saying, go home, commies, you know, we had enough, we want to travel, we want freedom. And that, so they call it still Heldenstadt, city of heroes. It's kind of a bit of a pompous title, but no, there is some truth in it because people were, they're shaking off their fear of being spied upon or being put in prison. They said, listen, we had enough. It's like in Prague, you know, jangle their keychains, go home. And that's yeah. really what Leipzig is all about. You can really go on a tour there and really explore this history. Leipzig. When I was in Leipzig, I was impressed by the reality that if you're going to bring down the wall and, and, and win your freedom, do it during the day and when there is media present. Because Berlin got all the media and all the images, but it, uh, Leipzig got the uh, short short end of that deal because it wasn't as well documented for the media. But when you go to Leipzig, you see it really was a leader in bringing down the wall in an inspirational way. Uh, also, when you're in Leipzig, you can see the amazing Stasi Museum about the secret police. Die Ecke, yeah. Oh, that's very powerful. And I, I do want to remind people that all of these sites that we're talking about are easy access from Berlin because of Germany's wonderful transportation system. And, and let's just to add briefly on Leipzig, let's not forget it's a musical city, you know? That's we right. We have the likes of Bach. So if you're have, a Bach you know, fan, that go is to the place to go to, yeah. Our guides to what you can find in Germany just beyond Berlin are Holger Zimmer and Carolina Marburger, who live in Berlin, and Fabian Ruger, who was raised in Berlin but now lives just a little up the coast from Portland, Maine. We have web links to our guests in the weekly Travel with Rick Steves show notes. You'll find that at ricksteves.com radio. By the way, our conversation was recorded pre-pandemic. Our phone is 877-333-7425, and Richard's calling from Denver. Thanks, Richard. Hi, Rick. Hey, how are you doing? Very good, thanks. Very good. Do you have a, a comment or a question for our guides? With Dresden, are there museums or sites to see about the firebombing? With the Baltic Sea, are there sites that one could look at? I'm not positive on the geography, but was there testing up in that area with the V1, V2 program? Could we look at Dresden or potential V1, V2 sites for context? There is a, uh, on the island of, of uh, Rügen, there is an actual museum to the production of the V2 because that was where the main experimentation and the first production facility was. And so today there is a very good historical documentation on site that gives the whole story of von Braun and the rocket engineers up there. Okay, so Werner von so Braun and uh, the, the, the V2, the V2 production site in Peenemünde. And, and, and that, was, that was a missile that could drop a bomb. Yes, that was yes, a big it deal. Was, it in was the, used against London. During the and, war, that, and the museum is on Rügen Island up in the north coast, right? Okay. Well, and, Carolina. And, and the beauty, even though the Allied bombing of Dresden is so crucial, yet in the city they focus more on the beauty of the Baroque era. But a little bit outside is the Military History Museum, which is the most outstanding military history museum I know. Huh. It's a bit different from the average one because it does focus on a cultural history of the war. So it does involve a critical look at what war and weapons do. They will have the V2 and everything that is involved okay. actually mm -hmm. on site and it's done so brilliantly I recommend any tour you can get in there it is vast and spectacular it's really hard to do all of it but it's an incredible site so Whoa. it's one of the, my favorite museums when it comes to World War II outside of Dresden just in it's in Dresden it's in just the, not the in edge. the heart of the city and, and what is the name of the museum again? the Military History Museum alright Holger anything to add about World War II sightseeing in these cities mm, not really World War II sites but what comes to mind right at the coast is uh, also 
also on Rügen mm-hmm. is this amazing, like huge, like what is it, 1.5 miles or so block of, you know, concrete. And it basically was the the idea that the Nazis had for mass tourism. So they built I've a seen huge pictures block. of that. Yeah, it's, it's called this, Oh, it's a it's fascist this, nightmare. Yeah, it's like everybody going to walk in their jack boots up here and lay on the beach for 1.2 hours, and then you're going to go back home <laughs> that, and read that kind of thing. So really organized wow. early mass tourism. And nowadays, it's all going to be transferred into like condominiums and fancy hotels hotel. and stuff. It's yes, it's already hotel. I've, I've just been there a couple of weeks ago, and it's quite an amazing building because you really see the changes so and the transitions. Physically, it's perhaps the biggest surviving piece of Nazi architecture. Uh, That's amazing. Uh, Richard, thanks for your call. Thank you, Rick, and thanks to your guest. You bet. Happy travels. Tim's calling in from Millica in Minnesota. Tim, thanks for your call. Well, thank you for letting me visit with you for a minute. Yeah, do you have a question about uh, sightseeing from Berlin? Well, more comment. Um, We were there in 2014 on a sabbatical, and we only had a short period of time. You've talked about the German efficiency of of travel, and and for a half day, we got directions with train and bus, and we got out to Sachsenhausen, um, just north of Berlin. Um, And it was just a really good, um, maybe maybe a little bit easier introduction to the uh, concentration camp settings because it didn't have kind of the, the heavy weight of a Dachau or something like that. But it gave us a, a very good introduction to uh, you know, how that whole system developed. And actually the aftermath of what happened there um, when the, the communist regime took over Berlin was also a very interesting part of that story. So kind of bridged that World War II time as well as the communist occupation or, or influence of, of East Germany. So, Tim, we're talking about Sachsenhausen, and that is uh, in Greater Berlin. Yeah, it's north of the Half an hour north. Half an hour north, and that would be uh, a concentration camp uh, option. And when you travel, you know, you can see Mauthausen and Memorial, on the Danube, yeah. you can see uh, Dachau outside of Munich, and uh, Sachsenhausen. How would you guys compare that? I mean, what are the pros and cons of making time to go to Sachsenhausen if you've seen Dachau or Auschwitz or something? My daughter had been to Dachau, and, and she was on this trip with us, too, and she and, and we took her out there. I had a, um, a 12-year-old daughter along, too, and my, my older daughter, Sophie, just said, you know, this wasn't as heavy and depressing as going to Dachau. So for my younger daughter, it was an opportunity to get some exposure to mm-hmm. that whole story in a way that was introductory, mm. um, that, you know, was more accessible to her without just, you know, hitting her like a ton of bricks. Being overwhelming um, she to got a child, the, she yeah. Got, yeah, she got the full story, um, I think, and, you know, got to see some really interesting aspects as we walked around and toured. So then she, she was, I think she was able to receive it better than maybe um, if we'd gone to one of the other camps first. And Carolina, you, as a guide, you take people to Sachsenhausen. Yes, yes, I'm there regularly, and I think that many people appreciate it. Uh, for one, of course, the towering image when it comes to concentration camps will always be Auschwitz-Birkenau, and that, of course, is in a is a um, is a in, place of, in of extermination Krakow, Poland, in Poland. Yeah. And so this is a labor camp in which still tens of thousands died, and it was also where the inspectorate was. So from actually that location every other camp uh, under Nazi control was administrated. So they try to do a rather good job, I think, in different locations to do a decentralized um, information on it. And so, yes, it can be better bits and pieces to actually digest. I agree. The other thing I thought was interesting is just give you a sense of where did all this come from? Um, so you have a sense of where the origins of these, of these camps were. 
This is such an important education when we're traveling, and in so many ways, history is speaking to us. Tim, thanks so much for your call. Thank you. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We've been talking about day trips and side trips from Berlin, and I'd like to finish on just a a natural note. Uh, You go to Bavaria to be at the foothills of the Alps and and to to think of the glories of nature, but it comes with a higher altitude. In the north, you don't have the big mountains. I'd like each of you to share one little natural highlight very quickly about uh, side tripping in this part of Germany. Holger. Yeah, so for me, the, the the region I'd go to most also, like for my own personal, like with the family, it's like go out to the Uckermark, which is like kind of northeast of Berlin. And it's an area very nicely, kind of graciously kind of gliding with like some hills, not very high hills, you know, and, and lots of forest and most amazing lakes. So it's good to go out there on a sunny day, just, you know, bring a towel and have a great swim and have a sausage afterwards and then go back to Berlin. A towel, a swim and a sausage. That's it. Spoken <laughs> like a true German. And the name of that is? Uh, the Uckermark is the region, so Uckermark. there's lots of great lakes. Oh. Fabian? I love the Sächsische Schweiz, which is just southeast of Dresden. Say, so wait, wait, say that word again. Oh, the Sächsische Schweiz. So that would translate into the Saxon Switzerland. Ah, right. Because there's a slightly mountainous region southeast uh, of Dresden, and it really looks a little bit like Monument Valley with trees on top, and the Elbe River is flowing between these uh, nice. big rocks. And on one of them is also uh, to add insult to injury, if you will, this beautiful castle uh, called Königstein, the King's Rock, and it was the uh, residence of the King of Saxony, and then later on also a prison. It was a fortress taken by Napoleon, the only one who ever took it. And it's, so it's, it's an amazing site to visit and beautiful sights from And there. probably the number one side trip from the city of Dresden. Yeah. And Carolina? For me, it would be, as these are now taken, I also definitely would uh, advise to people to come to the Harz Mountains, which is, for one, and much of it is in the east, even though it is on the former border. That is where you have the Brocken, where the famous witches always gathered uh, on the night that the witches gather, and the Thuringian Forest, because there is more than just the Black Forest. There is a lot of forest. We are covered a third. Ah, a little bit of northern pride here. So we always talk about the Black Forest. So we're talking about the Harz Mountains, H-A-R-T-Z. H-A-R-Z. H-A-R-Z Mountains, the Hartz Mountains in, in north of Germany. Carolina Marburger, Fabian Reuger, Holger Zimmer, Danke sehr. This is very interesting and very helpful for our travel dreams. <laughs> Vielen Dank. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> hey, I'm Rick Steves. I love art. And in my new book, Europe's Top 100 Masterpieces, I share my favorites with gorgeous photos and vivid descriptions. It's a greatest hit sweep through art history via the finest paintings, sculpture, and architecture ever. It's all in Europe's top 100 masterpieces, Art for the Traveler. It's available now at ricksteves.com.